Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and today I would like to talk to you about Mercury in Aquarius. Uh, Mercury has been in Aquarius for a little over a week now, um, but I wanted to take a, an overview of the journey that Mercury is going to be taking, both direct and retrograde, and kind of give you some insight into this cycle here. It might be a little bit longer than some of the material I've been making lately. Um, I debated whether to break this one up into different decans, but since Mercury moves pretty fast, um, this is probably the best way to go about it. So what are we looking at with Mercury in Aquarius? Well, first of all, we are uh, having the winged messenger moving through the domicile of Saturn. So we have to think about our kind of relationship between Mercury and Saturn and what Mercury is actually trying to do in the temple of Saturn, the diurnal temple of Saturn. So Saturn is associated with boundaries, with uh, structures, with deprivation, with isolation. Um, in this particular area where Saturn is hanging out in the first decan of Aquarius as well, we're you know, trying to question some of the, the structures that we uh, agree upon as a society as well, societal structures. So Mercury is a planet that likes to throw things into question. Um, it was the cosmic lawyer in the courtroom where planets were um, giving witness and testimony on the fate of humanity. Uh, so we can think about this as a, a quality of questioning, destabilization, trying to cast doubt on wherever it is um, moving through. Uh, we can also think about it as increasing darkness and ambiguity. We really have to think about, uh, we don't really get a, a stable experience when Mercury is moving through a particular area of the zodiac. So Mercury in this particular uh, sign is going to be questioning some of this, the social structures that we agree upon as a society. And a lot of the times those social structures are idealized um, agreements that we have with one another. So that's one of the things we're going to be looking at with Mercury in Saturn's sign. So I'm going to share my screen here and we'll take a look at the dates. We're going to take a look at a number of transits. Um, I'm going to try to describe a few different things. Um, try to describe the decans of Aquarius briefly. I may do a longer treatment of those in the future. Uh, and we will kind of uh, see if we can unpack all of this. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of information in mer mercurial style. So I'll try to bring it all together and unify it the best that I can. Okay, so let's just start off with the dates that we're going to be experiencing Mercury moving through uh, Saturn's diurnal sign here, Aquarius. Um, we're going to see Mercury ingress or move into the sign of Aquarius on January eighth, twenty twenty one at about seven o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. And it will be spending a little bit longer than it normally would in this particular area of the Zodiac because of its retrograde motion. It will be going and stationing uh, retrograde on the 30th of January. So we'll break down what that means. We'll break down uh, the Kazemi cycle when it's making a conjunction with the sun. We're gonna be talking about Mercury being under the beams uh, emerging as the morning or the evening star, and what that means. Uh, we'll talk about Mercury's journey as a psychopomp, where it is escorting souls to the underworld. That, that phase is usually when Mercury is retrograde 
and coming into an inferior conjunction with the sun. So um, what else? We're going to briefly touch on some fixed stars in Aquarius and kind of the, the meaning of the decans here. So we started off on the 8th of January, and we're going to see that retrograde on the 30th. And eventually, Mercury is going to make uh, its way to Pisces on the 15th of March, 2021, at about 6.30 in the evening. So again, we've got you know roughly, roughly two months of Mercury in Aquarius. Okay, so what is the dignities look like for Mercury in Aquarius? We want to think about the condition of this particular planet as it's moving through this area of the zodiac. So we're looking at one chart around January 8th just to get uh, an, a little bit of an initial idea of what's happening. First of all, Mercury is going to be co-present with its host Saturn. So that's that's important. That that allows Mercury to have a, a very close relationship and a very close conversation with its host and be able to um, have all the resources necessary to, to do what it needs to do in this particular area of the zodiac. Jupiter is also co-present with Mercury in the sign of Aquarius during this time as well. So we're going to be, you know, examining some of the, the limitations that we have, some of the cosmic challenges with Saturn uh, and questioning those, but also we may be questioning and, and trying to come to some consensus about uh, what the gifts of this particular area of the zodiac are going to be with, with Jupiter and Mercury coming together as well. Um, we have a square. Now, this is important because we're going to see this happening over the course of Mercury's journey. Um, we do have an overcoming square from Mercury to both Mars and Uranus. And these two planets are stirring things up. Uh, they are, you know, we've seen in the past week or so uh, some civil unrest. So we are thinking about our minds. We're thinking about how are we going to bring uh, stability back to our, our shared consensus reality. And Mars and Uranus are trying to shake that up, shake up that stability. Um, Mercury is going to be moving through a fixed air sign. So there may be some I idealization going on that is difficult to find uh, flexibility with. One of the significations of Mercury is flexibility. So this may be Mercury trying to break up some of the very crystallized idealistic beliefs that, you know, different people have. And it doesn't, I'm not necessarily talking about one side or the other of a, of a political spectrum. This could be on, on both sides of a political spectrum. Um, we've seen in America right now uh, quite a polarization of belief. And Mercury is trying to translate between one group and another right now to be able to bring back that stability. Um, let's see. So Mercury is the triplicity ruler of the air signs at night. So this is Mercury does have some ability to have communal support. So when we are trying to create consensus, we, we may be able to get an audience with the people that we're trying to speak with at this point. So that's something that we should look at as well. Um, Mercury will have some dignity in the first seven degrees of Aquarius, where it is on its own terms or is its own bound ruler from zero to seven degrees. 
So that is another little, little smaller dignity that we may be able to experience. A bound ruler was someone who was setting the curriculum. So during the first seven or eight degrees or so, we're going to be um, playing by Mercury's rules. And I'll go over the different bound rulers as we move through uh, a journey with Mercury through the, the particular degrees. Um, we are going to kind of examine the, the decanic story and the tarot cards associated with each of the decans very briefly as well. Um, the story that we're seeing with Mercury going through uh, Aquarius is one of leaving uh, the known or the consensus reality behind. And we start off this story, and I'm going to stop my share for just a second. I'm going to start off this story with the five of swords. And this is where we have some kind of conflict. And this card was called defeat. And there is a potentially a winner. And there is a loser that is going off into the fringes or being exiled into the, the frontier of society. So this is leaving behind some kind of consent, consensus reality. And we're really thinking about all of us who have been maybe exiled. A lot of the conversations that came up between January 8th and today as I'm recording this on the 14th um, have been about people who are in fringe movements and, and you know particularly some of the folks that were the extremists that stormed the Capitol on January the 6th. Um, so we've had a lot of discussions about how to how to deal with that particular section of society. Um, I also think the things that came up during that period of time was a an awareness and a, and and hence a, a discussion about the reaction of the the state or the people that hold power to uh, things like protests or to like. Um, voicing some kind of opinion, where we saw a real difference in the way that, um, you know, the police were reacting to the, the, the rioters at the Capitol and the people who were protesting in Black Lives Matter in the, in the summer months of 2020. So a lot of the discussion about two different types of um, fringes, I guess you could say, that aren't necessarily the majority of society, but maybe uh, on two separate ends of a, of a polarized spectrum. Um, when we get to the second decan, the, the between 10 and 20 degrees of Aquarius, we're going to be kind of working with the six of swords. And this particular card is about taking a journey from the known or from the consensus reality into the unknown, kind of an intermediary between an old past reality and maybe the future. Uh, there was, uh, it, in Austin Kopic's book, 36 Faces, he calls this face heaven and earth, which is about being the intermediary between the, the idealized divine world and potentially the world of matter. So it's about transitions. And this was actually a Mercury ruled Deccan. So the, the, the ability of Mercury to be someone who, who traverses between boundaries um, is important in this particular Deccan. So there may be a lot of communications about where we're going to be heading next and, and a lot of uncertainty um, and a lot of trying to figure out what's gonna, how we're gonna rebuild after seeing some disintegration. And in the third decan, we have uh, the seven of swords where a figure is leaving the past or the known behind completely and moving on to a new reality, potentially taking with him something that he's learned, something valuable, 
Um, so we may be thinking about what are we going to take with us into the new, the new paradigm, uh, maybe the new air paradigm, maybe the new, uh, you know, governmental administration. Maybe we have a new way of thinking about things after we've seen the disruption that happened in, in the Capitol on the 6th. Maybe this is something that really shook up our reality and forced us to really examine some things and what wisdom uh, can we gain from that. So that's kind of the, the decanic story, and we'll come back to it as we go through our journey here. Um, but in, in Austin Coppock's book, 36 Faces, he talks about the first decan of Aquarius as being exiled to the frontier. The second decan being the dialogue between the periphery and the core, okay, or the establishment and the people that are exiled. And then in the third decan, uh, finally leaving the known altogether. So we have this kind of movement throughout this particular area of the zodiac. So let's go back to our chart here. And we have, uh, we're going to start with, we're going to go back in time a little bit, even though today is the, when I'm recording, this is the 14th, but let's see where we've been. Uh, on the 8th, we had a perfection of Mercury and Mars, of the square between Mercury and Mars with Mercury in the overcoming position. So Mercury, everything, anything that Mercury touches is going to speak to things like communication, destabilization, ambiguity. And we might have had some very, well, we know in hindsight now we had some very uh, contentious speech um, after the capital, the events at the Capitol. Uh, we had some actions taken by big tech to cut off some of the insurrectionists from their preferred platforms. We had Donald Trump that was cut off from Twitter with his account being deleted. Uh, we had the, um, the platform Parler, which was a kind of a, I don't know, a landing place for a lot of the conspiracy theorists and some of the, the more extreme people on the right side of the political spectrum. We had Amazon and Google and, and all of those tech providers pulling them from their platforms. So we can see that Mars being a severing and separating entity uh, was kind of cutting off communication, cutting off uh, the ability to, to um, I don't know, of, of those particular movements to, to organize with one another, creating a little bit of an ambiguity about how, they're, how people will communicate moving forward. So that's we saw that on the 8th. On the 9th, if we move forward to the 9th, we had a conjunction uh, between Mercury and Saturn. So really getting to uh, a question of sobriety in our communication about really asking, how do we return to some kind of stability? What kind of structures are we going to put in place to potentially prevent something like this happening in the future? And we had a lot of questions back and forth between members of Congress as, as to how they should move forward with um, you know, potentially impeachment articles, uh, how are they going to raise security? Uh, this this conjunction happened on a fixed star called Altair, or Altar, which is um, a fixed star and an eagle that was kind of a, an eagle of, of Zeus that was carrying his thunderbolts and carrying his his weapons of retribution, I guess you could say. And there was a lot of conversation around this period of time of. Uh, how much military we should have at the Capitol, um, what kind of safeguards are going to be put in place 
to make sure that there is stability moving forward. Um, and yeah, I think that we saw that play out with uh, trying to restore order through that. So Altair is a, a fixed star that speaks of boldness, military action, things of those nature. And we really had a sober look at uh, what types of safeguards we had in place for the lawmakers in our country that are protecting our democracy. And again, Mercury being the, the cosmic lawyer who is questioning, is questioning those things that, that keep people safe and questioning uh, some of the, like the Capitol police officers that potentially could have been involved in this, that there was some, some uh, talk of, uh, you know, some of the people not necessarily doing their jobs uh, when that was taking place and, and maybe allowing some of the rioters to, to breach the Capitol. So again, we're cross-examining different witnesses. And on this particular day, the ninth, Mercury is kind of meeting up with Saturn and meeting with some of its limitations and trying to restore right proportion. I think this is the thing that we're going to see with Mercury moving through the entire sign of Aquarius, uh, Saturn sign, is that Saturn has a unique role of uh, being a star of Nemesis. And Nemesis was a deity that that was kind of a punisher. It was, it, was, it was trying to restore right proportion to the twists and turns of 2K or of fortune or chance. So we're, we're by our actions, by, by, our punish, by discussing what punishments are going to be necessary, we're, we're trying to restore social order. So there's a lot of ambiguity around social order right now, and that, and that is part of the, the journey we're experiencing. All right, if we move forward, to the 11th, January 11th, we see Mercury meeting up with Jupiter. And this was Monday of this particular week. And um, this may be where we saw, you know, an introduction of uh, some of the legislation that Congress wanted to pass as far as uh, articles of impeachment, getting some kind of, um, you know, resolution passed about that. This could be where we're having some ideas about the future, uh, where we're having an expansion of our ideas. This also could be a time where we're experiencing some grandiosity and some arrogance as well with Jupiter and Mercury coming up. Um, we may have just more ideas than we know what to do with. I know for me in particular, I, I had a, an interview on a podcast on this day, and I felt like I just had a million ideas and, and I was just like, uh, almost fomenting at the mouth, trying to, to get them all in. And uh, I tried my best to, to be good speaker and listener, but it was a little bit more of a challenge to not uh, have everything that I wanted to say come out, if that makes sense. So when we see Mercury-Jupiter conjunctions, it could be just an, a proliferation like of ideas because uh, Jupiter is going to expand and give birth to more of those like uh, communications than we may be normally used to. So that was going on, on on January the 11th at five degrees of Aquarius. Now, when we get to the 12th, we see a square between Mercury and Uranus. So that's something where we're potentially experiencing some kind of disruption, uh, where something unexpected is coming up, maybe in relationship to our material resources, and, and we might have some uh, difficulty reconciling our idealized vision of the future 
with our idealization of the past. Um, and Uranus is hanging out in Taurus, which is a little bit more concerned with conservatism and, and the past. And Mercury is trying to figure out how to move forward and leave leave that past behind or what to, to bring with us from the past. So there may be some challenges on this day where we're really trying to break free from the cycle that we've just been through as a society and figure out where to go next. And I know on this day, there was a lot of debate over how people in the government were going to vote and, and how to hold the leaders accountable and things of that nature. Um, on the 13th, which was our new moon in Capricorn, uh, new moon conjunct Pluto, uh, we saw Mercury emerge as the evening star in the in the later hours of the day at about eight degrees of Aquarius. And what that means, and this is important in the mercurial cycle, is that Mercury is emerging from outside of the sun's beams. Now the sun, because of its brightness, has a 15 degree, uh, you know, kind of aura around it on either side of it. And you can see this literally in the sky. If you go outside and it's around dawn, there's about 15 degrees of, of uh, you know, zodiacal arc in the sky where you can't see any of the other planets. And what's happening now is that Mercury was, was under the sun's beams for a, a period of time, and it is emerging as the evening star, which means that when the sun is setting over here in the west, we're going to be able to see Mercury in the evening. Okay, Mercury will start to appear again. Uh, Mercury has, has some uh, significations of invisibility too because it likes to hang out near the sun and it's, it's often going underneath the beams of the sun and between worlds. So uh, I believe that it had some kind of cloak of invisibility as well. So this is something where we're going to see the emergence of more communications that are helping us to reconcile the events of the past weeks. And of course, like clockwork, uh, we had articles of impeachment that were voted on on the 13th. And Donald Trump was impeached for a second time in the House of Representatives. Um, there's still a, a Senate trial pending as of this recording, but we saw kind of the result of some of the actions of the past here. And that's really interesting because whenever we see Mercury emerging from the beams, um, Mercury stationing retrograde or stationing direct, we can think of that as a moment of phasis where the, it's an omen that is speaking a little bit louder than perhaps normal. Okay, so we, we, ha we do always don't have, um, every planet isn't always speaking at the same volume as the other ones in the sky. There are certain moments that really kind of are, are signposts or, or milestones or mile markers. And this emerge, emerging from the beams was one of those. And we'll see another one when Mercury is going to be stationing on the 30th. So that's one of our part of our Mercury cycle. Okay, so let's continue to move forward. On the 14th, Mercury is going to move into the second decan of Aquarius. So in this first decan, now we're up to the, the, the day that we're recording now. In the first decan, we were looking at the conflict. And it, it, this, this card actually, as I'm thinking about this, 
it's it's so apropos because we had a conflict at the uh, Capitol. We had an armed insurrection, uh, and we were basically picking up the pieces over this Mercury cycle through the first 10 degrees of Aquarius. Because if you think about it, on the 6th, when this happened, Mercury is moving through the final degrees of Capricorn. And then after that conflict, we, we're you know seeing some kind of defeat where it was not a successful uh, in overthrow of the government. And we had these folks that are going back into exile, and we're trying to pick up the pieces and deal with the fallout from that. So that was our you know, our experience of Mercury through the first decan of Aquarius. Now, as we move into the second decan of Aquarius, this is the transition period. This is the week before the presidential inauguration on the 20th. Uh, and funnily enough, Mercury will transition into the third decan of Aquarius the day after the inauguration. So it's, uh, it's, it's, you can really see the demarcations of these different decanic placements play out too. I just think it's really quite literal sometimes. So if we really break down the, the symbolism of this card, we are moving from one reality to another. This is a Mercury ruled Deccan where we are really trying to communicate between where we want to go, where we've been, how can we bring some kind of dialogue between our higher selves and the reality that we're experiencing. So we're really trying to figure out um, how are we going to be prepared for this moving ahead, for this moving forward, uh, for this transition that we're going to be experiencing? Um, in the first decade, we were breaking with the herd and questioning mainstream thinking and questioning, you know, uh, the, even some of the idealism of the exiled folks as well. In the second decade, Mercury, it, you know, was also thought of as a patron of merchants that you could see Mercury and merchant have a kind of a similar root in their word with, so we have commerce and any commerce is when we're like exchanging goods or exchanging ideas. So we have co communication between the citizens, the establishment and the exiled. Um, Mer Mercury is fairly at home in this liminal space or this ambigu ambiguous in between state so that we may be uh, communicating or interpreting some kind of concrete actions that we want to take uh, and having them be informed by the abstract idealism. So that's something to keep your eyes peeled for while Mercury moves to the second decan of Aquarius. Now, one interesting thing to note is when Mercury moves to about 11 degrees of Aquarius on the 15th, it will be entering its retrograde shadow. So what that means is that this is an area that when Mercury retrogrades at about 26 degrees Aquarius, it's going to move backwards all the way to this point. So anything from the 15th forward is potentially up for review, is up for some kind of re-examination. Um, we have to be extra careful that we kind of check all of our details, check all of our communications, because we may miss something important that we will have to re-examine uh, when Mercury is recalling witnesses during the retrograde uh, motion. So think about retrograde as, you know, you had a witness on the stand, but some new information has come to light, and that um, 
that witness has to be give new testimony and some kind of new information potentially could come to light. So just keep your eyes peeled for that as we move through the second decan. Now, the second decan of Aquarius, Mercury, as, as he moves through it, there isn't really any particular uh, exact aspects. I mean, we're still dealing with the fallout from the conjunction with Saturn and Jupiter. We, we still have an overcoming square to Mars and Uranus, but no exact aspects. So if we move forward to the 21st, which is the day after Inauguration Day, we are going to experience uh, a few things. Mercury is going to be moving into the third decan of Aquarius. You can see here in my chart, it's about 19 degrees and 50 minutes. But, you know, over the course of the day, it'll move into 20 degrees of Aquarius. So we'll be examining 20 to 30 degrees of Aquarius in that third decan. Now, in the third decan, we see the, uh, the, the seven of swords. And in it, a, a figure is leaving behind the known completely. So he is, you know, looking over his shoulder, maybe thinking about what he's leaving behind. He's got a handful of swords. He's leaving in secrecy. So there may be some kind of escape that we're seeing, a, a leaving behind of the past, instead of this negotiation between the past and the future that we saw in the second decan. Now, it's interesting that we could maybe track some of Donald Trump's movements with this too, because he is a Gemini sun. And Mercury really uh, is connected uh, quite strongly with Gemini suns. And a lot of the times we can see where someone's um, mind might be at if they are you know, heavily influenced with the sign of Gemini by Mercury's movements through particular areas. So this could be we're leaving behind that era for good. Uh, potentially just going off into exile. I think one of the interesting things uh, that I was thinking about with this journey through Aquarius was um, likening it to Frodo's journey um, in the Lord of the Rings. And I'm not necessarily comparing Donald Trump to Frodo. Uh, I think that definitely there's that is not a <laughs> that is not a one-to-one -one correlation, we, but we could be thinking of our, our American democracy and our American society as, as Frodo's journey at this point. And I think in the first decan, we're, we're leaving the Shire. We're, we're going into exile. We, we cannot return to a past. Um, even though, you know, Samwise and, and Frodo want to return to the Shire, there, there is, you know, nothing left for them there that they can return to without going through this, this change. Um, there is a, a, a danger, there is a threat, some threat is imminent, and Frodo is given a great task to take the ring to Mordor. So we're seeing that leaving of behind, that, that conflict where, where you know, the forces of Mount Doom came to the Shire and were you know, trying to disrupt their peace. And in the second decan, we have Frodo's journey throughout uh, Middle Earth, trying to bring that ring to, to Mount Doom to, to be destroyed, to destroy a great evil, uh, and to get to the other side where really, you know, there's dangers when we're crossing. And with this second decan of Aquarius, there is, we are in a point of danger right now because we're in this liminal space where when we're on a journey, they, they say in a lot of these ancient texts that when you are a traveler, you are exposed and you don't necessarily have some of the uh, comfortable and familiar structures to protect you like, 
like the customs of your own community or the um, comforts of your own home. So it is a dangerous time when we're traveling and we really have to be aware of our surroundings and, and um, follow the customs of, of the place that we're in so that we don't put ourselves in undue danger. And then as we get to the third deck, and if we can think about this with Frodo, it, it potentially could be where he's destroyed the ring and he is you know, thinking about leaving Middle-earth uh, for Valinor, the, the undying lands. He can't go back to the Shire. There is, there's nothing for him there. He's been changed. Uh, he, he's not like the rest of the, the people anymore. He, he's, he needs healing. He, he needs to leave uh, that world behind because he has gone through something that has been almost a traumatic experience. So we may be experiencing that same feeling that Frodo felt after the completion of his journey, after this inauguration, where we have some trauma and we have some healing that we have to, to go through as a collective. And we may be questioning how to go about that. How do we heal as a community? How do we move forward? We can't go back to just the, the whatever was called normal before because that old reality doesn't exist anymore. And it may be a, a little bit frustrating. Uh, that third decan of Aquarius is associated with potentially some divine discontent, uh, departure from the old situation, what do we take with us? What have we learned? What is salvageable from this situation? Um, we may be experiencing some disgust and frustration from, from the um, current state that we're in. Uh, we may be frustrated that it had come to this. Uh, so I think that that divine discontent can lead us to new realizations eventually, though. So what's going to be happening to Mercury as it moves through the third decan of Aquarius? Well, on the 21st, it moves into Aquarius. And on the 30th, let's move forward to the 30th. On January the 30th, we see Mercury at 26 degrees uh, stationing retrograde. And this happens roughly, there we go, roughly around... 11 o'clock, 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. Okay. Um, yeah, 10, 51 a.m. It's going to be stationing retrograde at 26 degrees of Aquarius. It is also going to be moving under the sun's beams around 26 degrees Aquarius as well. So this is a doubly interesting and important time frame that we're looking at here. So we have Mercury on this day, the 30th, reversing course. And instead of moving in zodiacal motion, which was called secondary motion and related to the moon and the world of form and matter and planetary will, it will start moving in primary motion along with the sun and the path of the daily path of the sun in clockwise motion. And the way that I've heard this described uh, from my astrology teacher, Mr. Achuta Bhavadas, was that the planet that is going retrograde is um, sort of getting a course correction, you know, sort of uh, moving in a divine movement rather than one of form or matter. So you can think about this as like the planet trying to paddle upstream and eventually 
having to let go of the oars and allow some changes to happen, allow some, you know, the, the gnosis of the sun, the, uh, the enlightened knowledge of the sun to be willing to change the way that we think about things and the way that we question our worlds and the way that we question our social structures. Again, this is really the theme of, of moving through this particular area of the Zodiac is the social structure. Um, so when we see Mercury move under the beams retrograde, and this was something that I asked another friend of mine, Mr. Gary Caton, who is the Mercury expert. He has a wonderful book on Mercury and, and the elemental cycle. And I asked him, what is the uh, psychopomp uh, cycle of Mercury? And the psychopomp is, is, a, is a figure that leads the souls uh, from the land of the living into the land of the dead. Uh, again, Mercury was that planet that was able to move between worlds. And his answer was that during this retrograde cycle where, where Mercury is under the beams of the sun, moving retrograde, you know, near the inferior conjunction, okay, we are going to be seeing this psychopomp phase. So this may be where Mercury is digging deep behind the surface to figure out what needs to happen moving forward, maybe on a fact-finding mission to be able to uh, create the right kind of a chemical mixture to bring about a new social structure, potentially to bring about new social laws, new social orders, new social potentially retribution and punishment for breaking the agreements that we have in our um, democracy, in our agreed upon social constructs that could be happening. This could be a time where potentially after the election, we're seeing some kind of uh, trial for Donald Trump and, and his impeachment and things of that nature and uh, figuring out how we're going to move forward as a collective. Okay, so that's what we're seeing on the 30th of January. Mercury stationing retrograde, going under the sun's beams and entering the underworld as psychopomp. So let's move forward yet again. All right, if we go forward to January the 8th, I'm sorry, February the 8th. If we go forward to February the 8th, we are experiencing what is called the Kazemi moment or the conjunction of the sun and Mercury. And you can see this here, you know, right at about 20 degrees, right on the cusp of that third decan, Mercury and the sun are going to be coming together. So this is when Mercury is being reborn in the heart of the sun or the furnace of the sun. And the sun has this kind of quality of burning away falsehoods, burning away the dross. Uh, there may be, we're infusing Mercury potentially with some knowledge, with some truth, with an ability to, to, to uncover uh, what is necessary to be able to move forward to the next stage of our collective social agreement. So keep your eyes peeled at the things that come up on, the, on February the 8th as far as something that could be really instructive and informative about how you could move forward in your own life and, and how you fit in within your own society. Uh, because society is not just the, the government, uh, America, the country. We all live in smaller societies as well, and we all have to have agreements with one another to be able to move forward in relationships. 
So this may be where we're thinking about our place within our greater communities, where we're hovering above our life, like like the helicopter wide angle view in a movie, like the, the, the wide range shot. And we're seeing all, how all the pieces fit together. And this may be a pivotal moment about how we see how all the pieces of our life fit together so that we can move forward with our, with our new structures. So that is January, January, I keep saying that. That is February the 8th, the Mercury Kazemi with the sun. Uh, on that same day, Mercury will retrograde back into the second decan of Aquarius. So we're going to revisit some of this kind of, um, you know, uh, movement energy between worlds and potentially questioning and having to go back and say, well, maybe we haven't quite figured out how we're going to leave the past behind. And we have to revisit some of these things that we had just, we thought potentially that we had um, reconciled. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Now, as we move forward, we are going to be seeing another square between Mercury and Mars. Now, this is a repeat of the aspect that we had on January the 8th, okay? albeit from a different decanic position. So I have a feeling that there may be some arguments or some discussions, some contentious discussions on how to provide resources for the community. In, in the first decans, we had like the, the five of pentacles represented by Mars in, in the first degrees and the five of swords with Mercury on, on January the 8th. On February the 10th, Mercury is going to be trying to transition in the second decan and having an interaction with Mars in the second decan of Taurus, which has to do with charity and, and, and generosity and things of that nature. So this could be some, some big arguments or some big discussions uh, where we are trying to give resources to the people that are in exile right now, but there may be some challenges and difficulties with that. So I, I would keep your eyes out for that on the 10th. Um, this may be another day where we're really really having to watch how we speak with one another. And we may get fired up about these, these um, things and, and how we think we should be distributing resources, distributing vaccines, distributing medicines, how we should be organizing society. Uh, just, again, be very careful to measure your communications because especially with retrograde mercury, uh, your message may be misconstrued. It may be difficult for the, the party that you are trying to communicate your message to or translate your message to, to be able to receive it in a way that is functional and is uh, constructive. So that's something to, to watch out for on the 10th. All right, as we move forward, we're going to go to the 14th. On February the 14th, Valentine's Day, happy Valentine's Day, Mercury retrograde is going to be conjoining the fixed, I'm sorry, conjoining Jupiter. Um, this is a position where we, again, may be feeling a proliferation of details. Here is Mercury and Jupiter conjoining. We may feel some optimism, though. Maybe we've resolved some of the contentiousness of the previous days of the previous Mercury-Mars square, and now we're ready to, to talk about how to bring benefits 
and how to move forward with, with our chosen um, organization and social structure. All right. So that is the 14th Valentine's Day. If we go forward to the 20th, on February the 20th, Mercury is going to station direct. So it stations direct, excuse me, at about 7.51 in the p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So this, again, is a moment of phasis where we, we're going to see some kind of communication uh, that is important because Mercury is standing still and saying, pay attention to this. This is an important moment in our collective conversation. Uh, so it will station direct at 11 degrees and, and continue to move again through that second decan of Aquarius. On the 22nd, Mercury will emerge from under the beams as the morning star. So you can see if I go back a few hours here on my chart and put the sun on the horizon, that now you'll be able to see uh, Mercury on the, on the horizon here. Um, hold on a second. That actually doesn't look right. Nope, that is not right. Disregard that. <laughs> well, let's see, when does it actually move out of the beams? Not that day. Um, we have, there it is. It's roughly around here on February the 16th or so. Yeah, I had that a little bit mistaken in my notes. So Mercury is going to emerge from under the beams roughly around the 15th or the 16th you know, and it's going to be conjoining Jupiter around that same period of time. So that's actually pretty interesting. So, so maybe there, there will be something around the 14th or the, or the 15th that is going to be good news, uh, some kind of, you know, something stabilizing that moves us forward. Uh, and especially now seeing that it's, it's going to be a visible Mercury, I, I would imagine that that's going to be a pretty important few days, uh, Monday the 15th. Okay, but we do see that Mercury will station direct on February the 20th, and that again is going to be another pivotal moment where we're going to start feeling like we can move forward uh, with our mercurial functioning. Um, the last aspect that Mercury is going to make is a direct conjunction with Jupiter again on March the 4th. So, during this Mercury and Aquarius period, we have two squares with Mars and three conjunctions of Mercury with Jupiter. So, you know, Mercury is really going to be having quite a conversation with Jupiter, trying, trying to, to bring that, that positive testimony of Jupiter and trying to bring uh, stabilization and balance back to um, the, the social agreement and the social conversation. Um, finally, on the 7th of March, Mercury is going to move into the third decan of Aquarius again, and it's going to move through that third decan without any aspects, without any hindrances, and um, you know help us to move forward to the, the new reality. And finally, on the 15th of March, Mercury moves into Pisces, which is its, which is its exile and its fall, so it's potentially some challenges around then, but we'll get to that when we get to that. We've got a whole month and some change to go with Mercury in this particular position. Okay, so 
let's talk a little bit about uh, the I Ching. As I did an I Ching reading, and I wanted to unpack that for you. So, the I Ching is an is a an ancient uh, Chinese oracle where you toss coins or sticks, and you um, get a hexagram. And there's broken or unbroken lines, and some of them are changing, and some of them are not. So you get two hexagrams most often, and a changing line. So the first hexagram is kind of where we're at. Uh, we have the changing lines showing where we are going, the transition, and then where we might end up with the next hexagram. So I pulled hexagram number 38, which is called opposition and contradiction as the first hexagram. And some of the questions that come up in Hillary Barrett's very good translation of the I Ching, she asks, what if the difference were not a threat? How can this tension be creative? How can you see eye to eye when you can't, if you can't see eye to eye, what can you see? I think this pretty much represents what we've been experiencing so far is a lot of differing opinions, a lot of different um, stories and narratives around our collective reality. We're seeing, um, you know, this is something we've been going through as a community for quite some time, is that one event is experienced very differently by two different factions of society. And that's, that's always true on some level. Um, as human beings, we have these subjective consciousnesses that interpret the events that we experience. And perhaps what Mercury is trying to do is lend us some objectivity to these events and try to see what the truth is without you know, our very subjective worldviews. Now, again, we've had leadership that has cast us into very polarized subjective positions. And I think we really need to ask the questions, what is functional moving forward? That's the real question, not who is right, who is wrong, what are we doing as far as like all of this, but how can we restore a functional society and come to some kind of consensus so that we can move forward as a community? Because, you know, chaos doesn't really lend to a, a very good functioning society. So that's what we're seeing with this contradiction. Okay. So yeah, one, another note I have was seeing something differently when you look at the same exact scene. They also talk about fire and water not being able to mix with this hexagram. So in that position of opposition. Now, the, the changing lines, uh, one of the phrases with the first changing line, number two, was meeting a master in the home is not a mistake. Okay, so this is about, uh, this is about um, being able to maintain a spirit of conciliation and compromise. So uh, some of the notes I wrote down for this is that you're meeting some kind of master or some kind of wise thing or idea outside of the limits of your understanding. So because we were cast into this chaos, it may have cast some kind of light on the truth of our circumstance. And I said in my New Moon and Capricorn um, video, that a lot of the leadership was talking about how this isn't who we are type of thing with storming the Capitol and blah, 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 blah. And 
I, I, there are others that are offering the argument, and I tend to agree with them, that maybe we have to acknowledge the reality of this type of energy in America, you know, potentially motivated by white supremacy, by like, you know, I don't know, some kind of desire to go back to a utopian idealized society that never really existed, um, that we have to acknowledge that that is part of the reality of our social fabric right now and how our society was built. That doesn't mean that everybody feels this way. It doesn't mean that we have to move forward under that belief system. But part of being able to um, rectify the mistakes of the past is acknowledging where we are at in the present. And if we just kind of sweep it under the rug and like say, no, this doesn't exist, this isn't who we are, that's not going to help lead to, to fixing it in the future. So only by acknowledging that this underbelly of corruption does exist will we be able to uh, figure out the solutions moving forward. And maybe some of those solutions are calling some of those folks back in through compassion and love. Maybe it's through calling out for through some punishment. I'm sure it will be a blend of both. Um, I do know that sometimes calling in can be more effective. Uh, but again, it's hard to negotiate with people who have taken such a, an extreme viewpoint. And if that viewpoint um, leads to other people experiencing harm, that first of all, that harm has to be stopped. And then you figure out like how to rehabilitate that viewpoint. Like if you have someone, a serial killer is going out and going on a murdering spree, that person needs to be arrested first. And then if you could figure out if they, you know, can be rehabilitated in, in prison or not, but the first thing you have to do is, is stop them from, from killing more people. And then you go through the process of maybe, you know, rehabilitation and compassion, and, which is a difficult thing to do if you have someone who's done something so extreme. Uh, but we may have to find that in our hearts on some level, because like it or not, the, some of the people that were going to Washington, D.C. and continue to hold some of these beliefs are our neighbors. Some of them are our brothers and sisters. Some of them are our parents. Some of them are uh, our neighbors and, and people in our community. So this isn't just going to go away. It, uh, we do have to kind of figure out how to, to, to live together with one another. So again, this changing line talks about benefit through an unexpected encounter with an important idea or person, meeting a helper or guide outside the walls or on the frontier, and something that you need to see. So again, I think we needed to see this as a community. Now, line four says, opposed alone, meet an inspiring man, join together in truth and confidence, danger, but no mistake. So the notes with this one were meeting inspiration through isolation, through our loneliness. Isolation can make us vulnerable, but can lead to connections. We can find affinity in the midst of opposition and isolation, and we can potentially use our sense of cooperation to lead to significant achievements. So even in this drama that is played out, and I'm, I'm focusing a lot on the drama of the Capitol, and, and, I, and I guess that it's, that is appropriate because uh, we're all stuck in isolation right now in our own little worlds, and we're in this period of time where that has taken on such weight because those actions will have butterfly effect uh, repercussions for all of us at this point. And I, I do think that understanding that will help us understand our, 
our, um, you know, individual realities as well. So, yeah, how can we come together and cooperate to figure out what we're going to do moving forward? Um, the hexagram that these changing lines are moving to is called nourishment, number 27. So the questions that come up with this, what would nourish you? How is hunger motivating you? If you accept this nourishment, who will you become? What information are you taking in? Is it serving you? What are you expressing? So this, this is about, I, I took this to mean regulating the information that you, you both take in and what you put out into the world. So in this new age, this new air age, um, a lot of the way that we feed ourselves is not necessarily through food or through material things. It is through ideas. So to be able to get healthy nourishment that is full of sustenance and vitamins, we have to figure out where we're taking things in. Just like eating a meal that is full of empty calories, if, we're, if we are absorbing information that is full of falsehoods, that is not going to lead to a healthy mind. So we have to really examine our information, its source, whether it is rooted in truth or not, or whether it's rooted in falsehoods. Um, we have to also regulate how we put our information out. Um, one of the arguments that we've been seeing with you know, some of the Mercury cycle here, especially with the uh, squares with Mars, is it was Donald Trump's Twitter account being shut down and parlor and all these things, is that a threat to free speech moving forward? And I do think that that is a good question to ask. Um, I do disagree with thinking that free speech means that you can say whatever you want. And yes, I think that there is uh, rightful questioning as far as where is the line. But I, here's where I think the line is. And we do have to establish where the line is. I think that free speech was, was something that was related to speaking out about, you know, being able to question your government and, and being able to like have kind of like, you know, dissent. That is, I think that's the essence of free speech. Now, there is a difference between expressing dissent and inciting violence and planning to murder people. I think that's the line. You can say, I don't agree with this lawmaker, and I think we should do this instead. That's free speech. Free speech does not incorporate, I'm going to go to the Capitol and hang this lawmaker. <laughs> that's not free speech. That's, that's a hate crime. So I, I think that once we establish that line of what is appropriate and what isn't, um, that's going to be important for how we have these conversations moving forward. And we have a large faction of our society right now that has really gotten sucked into this, this find, trying to find nourishment in things like conspiracy theories where there are a lot of empty calories. And on some level, I have compassion for some of these folks because there is an overlap, I think, with some of the, I guess, more new age community where we, we've sort of made a, a habit of questioning our systems and, and realizing that there is more behind the facade of reality than we uh, accept as a society. And that is true. Being someone of a spiritual bent 
you do start to understand that there is more to reality than just what you see, hear, touch, or feel. But that can also be, can be taken to an extreme where we question everything that we touch, feel, hear, and see. And that leads to some kind of schism where we aren't necessarily in reality at all anymore. And the key is like balancing out our sensory information with um, some form of conformity. We do have to conform on some level just to have a functional society. I mean, Saturn being ruling Aquarius and thinking about the boundaries of a society, that, that's what makes a functional society is, is some healthy boundaries sometimes. Um, but as we move forward with this mercurial cycle, you know, really, you know, maybe taking an info fast and taking an info, um, oh, what is the word I'm looking for? A, an accountability type of, what, oh man, it's on the tip of my tongue and all of you are probably shouting it right now. An audit, taking an info audit of where are we getting our information? Is it reliable? Does it match up with what we see or what we hear? Um, are we taking into account multiple perspectives and opinions? I will once again offer a, a website called all, allsidesmedia.com or allmedia or allsides.com, something like that. If you look up allsidesmedia, it, it, it gives you a story from what they consider the left, the right, the center, and then they try to make sense of it through as, as much of an objective article as they possibly can. And that's actually really valuable just to see how a particular event can get twisted through our own subjective belief system. And I think that right now, that's a really important thing because if you aren't understanding where everyone's coming from, it's very difficult to try to become objective. So regulating the source of information that you're taking in and also just regulating what's coming out of your mouth. Uh, you don't have to go to war with every single person that you disagree with. Um, you don't have to um, post every single article that may be uh, creating fear. Uh, it doesn't mean we ignore what's happening. We, we got a really big wake-up call with that of not ignoring people when they are making threatening things. Um, so I think it's, it's a balance. I think it's a balance about, you know, hearing the, your own inter-equilibrium and being able to be abreast of the information and the current events that you're going through. So you can't just like sit on the TV for seven hours straight watching 24-hour cable news network because you will go crazy. And at the same time, you can't stick your head in the sand and ignore everything that's going on around you and pretend like reality doesn't exist. Again, it's the middle way. It's the balance point. So I think that's what I have for you today with Mercury moving through Aquarius. Looking at my notes here, I think I covered most of the, the things that I wanted to cover. So I hope that you're all doing well out there. I hope that you are able to uh, have some stability of mind, even though there might be some things swirling around you. Again, Mercury in Aquarius is a fixed air sign. So we we need to kind of try to stabilize some of the our thought processes. And uh, yeah, if you are enjoying these videos, you can support the work that I do by leaving a donation. I have a Venmo at Spencer Michaud and a PayPal me, paypal.me uh, backslash Spencer Michaud. That helps me to continue the work that I'm doing and keep it free 
and and keeps it from going behind a paywall. Um, I also do readings, so if you want a reading to learn about what Mercury is doing in your chart or any other part of your chart with the decans or fixed stars or whatnot, I'd be more than happy to help you with that. I also do astrological tutoring, so if you want to learn more about the mercurial cycles in more of a one-on-one -on -one setting, that is something I really enjoy doing as well. And of course, the one other thing you can do is leave me a comment. Let me know how Mercury is is uh, going for you in Aquarius, and and what is it? What questions is it bringing up? Mercury is about questions. What has been cast into doubt that has led you to maybe think outside the box and led you to potentially have some new ideas that you might not have had had your reality stayed stable or the same. So anyway, that's what I've got, folks. And I will see you the next time. Be kind to one another. Peace.